Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Why can't we fly between the eagle and the dove? Why do we always hurt the ones? We love. Isn't that amazing? You've heard me say this, but I want you to write it down. Hurt people often hurt people. See, if you're around a person that's been hurt, it's dangerous. Because that hurt, that anger, that bitterness, that critical spirit, it's going to start spewing out all over the place. Hurt people. Hurt people. Would you agree that some people are a lot easier to love than others? But as Christ followers, we're commanded to love others so that they may see God through us. God's love is unconditional. He loves everyone. And He'll help us love everyone, even if they seem unlovable. Yet this seems so difficult. Jesus is our example as to how to love unconditionally. He is our role model. Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. We had rejected him, and yet he came to die for us. That's the greatest example of love the world has ever seen. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, for our continuing study entitled, Loving Others Proves We Know God. Well, a man was stranded all alone on an island for a number of years. Finally, he was located and rescued, and some people came ashore. When they came ashore, before they took him off the island, he said, I want to show you what I've done the last couple of years while I've been here. So he took them to his hut. And he said, this, this is a home I built with my own two hands. There's nobody else on this island. And then he showed them another building. And they said, well, what is that building? He says, this is the church I built with my own two hands. There's nobody else on the island. And someone looked over their shoulder and saw another building. They said, what's that building over there? He says, that's a church I used to go to. (laughs) That old joke was for you that say you have it all together. You see, there's nobody else even on the island, and you can't get along with yourself. Could I hear an amen somewhere in the house? Exactly. Oh, I waited all weekend for that one. All right, now. All of us struggle with our own sin nature and our insecurities. Every single person in this room, any of our places. Would you just turn to your name and say, your neighbor and say this? Don't point your finger, just say this. I don't have it all together. I need God's help. Would you just tell them that right now? Now, did anybody say back to you? Did anybody say back to you? You sure do. <laughs> if so, there'll be counseling line right over here at the end of the service, at, up front at all of our campuses. No, no. Do we need God's help? You won't hear this, but you will hear it. 
That was easy. That wasn't easy. It's difficult, isn't it? See, without God, it's what? It's impossible. I can't do that. I can't love like God loves without God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, then how can imperfect people actually love other imperfect people in the church? And I'm not just talking this church. I'm talking the church at large. Well, I want to give you three things to write tonight all over campuses. Number one, Christ followers can love others because Jesus is our role model. Remember, we learned last week the test of obedience. If I say I'm a believer, then my walk should begin, should begin to, well, to mimic Jesus' walk. Well, to do that, we need to go back and watch how Jesus interacted with his imperfect disciples. And you're going to see, if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. You're going to see how Jesus puts love into action. How he fulfills that great commandment to love God and to love these impatient, prideful, and jealous disciples that he's bringing to turn the ministry over to. Now, scoot on down to verse 41, and let me just give you a preface. Look at me for a moment. Jesus had just reminded his disciples, look at me, Jesus had just reminded his disciples that he was going to suffer, die on the cross for the sins of mankind. The next thing we see in this passage, James and John are arguing about and asking for special positions on the right and the left of Jesus when he gets to the kingdom. Now, just picture Jesus. He just says to them the most horrible thing you could ever think. I'm going to leave you. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to the cross. And they're talking. As he just finishes that. Oh, by the way, uh, can, can we be at one on the right and one on the left? They just ignored what... See, they're self-absorbed. It's all about them. And you'll see tonight, no, when I love God, it's about God. When I love others, it's about others. But I'm so selfish. Well, the next thing we see is the other ten disciples hear this. Look at verse 41. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You see, the rest of the disciples resented James and John for their attempt to gain an advantage over them by pursuing the honor that we learn from other passages in the Bible that they wanted. How dare you beat me to the question I wanted to ask? So what do you see there? This self-serving conduct was unloving. What had it caused among the disciples? Something that God hates. Disunity. Now, the two di- the, these two disciples are fussing with the other ten. Let me just show you a key. When you and I begin to fuss, one at another, or a group after another group, or anything, it doesn't have to be the church, it can be anywhere, you know it anywhere. When you do that, this thing we're doing, the project we're doing, the mission we're supposed to doing, it goes out the window. So while they're doing this, all kinds of stuff is being set on the side, because Jesus is going to have to deal with it. He's going to say, no, wait a minute, I can't, I can't leave the kingdom to you guys. You, you got it wrong. And all of a sudden... He responds with a lesson Jesus loves to teach. 
Look at verse 43. First thing he says as he gets to 43, he says, you know, the world does just like you. They're only concerned about somebody serving them. And watch what Jesus says in verse 43. All of our campus, look at this. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus is speaking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. And here he says it again. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So what was his lesson? If I'm going to love others, God's love serves others. If I'm going to love other believers, love is a verb. I'm going to serve them. And I just want to say at the moment, thanks to thousands of you at all of our campuses that are serving in a million different ways. Thank you so much. Because you're blessing our congregations. You're blessing visitors. You're blessing and making God look good. Because see, if I'm a picture of Jesus, I'm going to be a servant. I'm not self-absorbed. I'm going to serve other people. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that's going to cost me time. Just look at me tonight. If you're going to love, it's going to cost you in many ways. If you're going to love others and love God, it's going to cost you. Is it worth it? Could I hear an amen? It's worth it. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm not sure. You need to be sure. It's worth it. It's worth it. Now, so Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can't be like the world. We'll see that next week. One of the enemies we have is the world. We begin to think like the world. Well, what have you done for me lately? Well, no, 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 no. Jesus said, that's not why I came. I came to serve you. In fact, that's what I'm doing. Remember in the upper room, what's he do? He washes their feet. Trying to say to them, no, look, this, is, this means loving other people. So Jesus says, Here's my example. Live different. You can do different. And as you and I go through the word of God, here we are not even in the gospels. We are at this part, but it brings us back to seeing how Jesus lived. That's the reason you in your private devotion should be in a gospel often because we get to watch Jesus and we go, okay, like that's my role model. I think I have a little way to go. Yeah, we all have a little way to go. Now, Here's number two you want to write down. How can I actually love imperfect believers? Well, number one, I have Jesus as my role model. He just showed me one. There's many. He just showed me one. Here's the second thing. Christ followers can love others, other believers, because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see, the moment you became a Christian, you stopped doing life alone. God came to live in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, whatever God calls you to do, God enables us to do it. He said, Pastor Mark, here we go again. That was easy. No, it's never easy. But if he calls you to do it, we're to love God and we're to love people, those imperfect people. If he calls us to do it, this verse proves that we can do it. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. I can't do it in my own strength. I can't do it in my own wisdom. In my own imperfect strength, it's impossible. But I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Now, here's where I know some of you are struggling because of the word hate. 
So I think I can, I can help us understand the context, really, of what this is about. Pastor Mark, I really don't think I hate other people. In, in many ways, it's probably true when you think of the word hate. Of course, hate can be, it's a varied thing. And here's what I want you to write down tonight. Here's lots of ways hatred can be defined. So would you write this down on all of our campuses? Uh, indifference to people, ignore them, uh, criticize them, be unkind to them, actually hurt them, neglect them, or retaliate. You say, well, Pastor Mark, that like hit me between the eyes. Exactly. You call that hate? Well, it's a form. It stretches there. If you list those things, indifference, ignore, criticize, unkind, hurt, neglect, retaliate, that's loving? No, that's not loving. That's actually hating. That's against somebody. Now, how many of you remember this song? Why do we always hurt the ones we love? Why? Just when it seems we finally made a breakthrough, why can't we fly between the eagle and the dove? Why do we always hurt the ones we love? Isn't that amazing? You've heard me say this, but I want you to write it down. Hurt people often hurt people. See, if you're around a person that's been hurt, it's dangerous because that hurt, that anger, that bitterness, that critical spirit, it's going to start spewing out all over the place. Hurt people. Hurt people. And I want to talk about two areas that we have to be careful in hurting the ones we love. Is it, Pastor Mark, this is like difficult. Well, is it real or am I just talking to a bunch of people we don't have any of these issues? Would you call this real tonight? Say amen. Sure it is. First thing I want to talk about is marriage. On the first day of our honeymoon, we all discovered now there were two imperfect people trying to do marriage. I'm asking for amens as I go through this. Maybe you're afraid to, maybe you're afraid to do that, but maybe it was your second day of the honeymoon. I don't know. You were really special. All of a sudden, here's two people in a room, different backgrounds, different families, different education, different habits, different, 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 different opposites that attracted you. Now these same opposites are going to drive you. Use your own word under your voice so that your spouse doesn't hear you. Love in marriage, would you write this down, is spelled this, G. I-V-E. You will never have a healthy marriage unless you understand the word give. By the way, God so loved the world that he, he gave. Give has to be there. Of course, eventually, there's always the kind of give and take. What does hate in marriage look like? It's spelled like this. I, boss, I change you. I, selfish. Now, we have to be honest, and this is where the challenge for pastors comes because we do all this counseling. But again, we're just like you. Many pastors end up with terrible marriages and divorce. See, we're all just imperfect people, and Satan knows where to attack us. But the thing we forget is that as believers, we are not doing marriage alone. 
You've seen this if you've been here at all in the last four or five years, but I want you to see it again and remind yourself of this. Marriage is a threesome. If you're a believer tonight and you're married to another believer, praise the Lord. Can I say to you kindly as you look at this, there should never be a reason for you to divorce. Because you have God. He's the head. Now, that doesn't mean that you can do everything right and the other person won't and decides to walk out and, and go into sin or whatever. I understand that. Of course you can't stop that. But two people serving God and in love with God, there's never a reason for a divorce. And yet our churches are filled with it. It's because we forget we have God living in us. And we're a threesome. Marriage is God designed, not the Supreme Court. God designed, God directed, and God empowered. It's God designed, it's God directed, and it's God empowered. Now, how do you know it's directed and empowered? Because I have the Holy Spirit in me, and the Holy Spirit directs me. I'm led by the Spirit, and I'm empowered by the Spirit. Where do I get in trouble? When I leak spiritually, and I'm no longer under the influence of the power of the Spirit of God. See, love is a verb. You can say lots of nice things, but that's where all this happens. See, if we're going to do marriage right, we have to understand, this is a statement. I used to do lots of premaritals. I don't do a lot of premaritals anymore. I do meet every couple that's going to be good married and all the other pastors do a great job of the premarital teaching and so forth. But I want you to write this down. If you've never seen it, you need to write it down and put it somewhere if you're married or if you're getting ready to get married or even if you're divorced. Divorce isn't the unpardonable sin. You can start again. God can heal that. You can begin again and you can do it right. So I want you to write this down at all of our campuses. Marriage is a lifetime commitment to an imperfect person. It will never change imperfect person. Why? Because that's who you are, and that's who I am. That's what causes our problems. And I want to say one thing to you. When I was a young man, my dad taught me this. He said, there's lots of things worse than death. I never really understood what he was talking about. And I said, what do you mean, Dad? He said, a bad marriage. And those of you that are struggling tonight in your marriage, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's death every day. But see, we're supposed to enjoy the bride of our youth. Marriage should have joy in it. And that comes back by walking in the light. Remember? Clarity, freedom, joy. Struggles? Absolutely. Why? Two imperfect people. As you think about that, could I ask you tonight just to think about your own marriage? It's hard work. We need to celebrate it together. When you walk into your home, is there a smell of celebration? If there's any place in our world that should be a place of peace, it should be our home. How can that be? God. God. Number two, the second difficult place is the church, the church. All through the New Testament, we see the benefits of God's design for the church. 
I don't know how many there are tonight. I should look up the figure, but you wouldn't care if I figured any. 450,000 denominations in the world or whatever. How did it start? <laughs> with one. With one. And as you watch the New Testament church, Satan always came against it. As it succeeded, Satan came against it. Then there was division. And when there's division in a church, the mission stops. Read Acts chapter 6. I don't have time tonight. When you see division in the church, ministry stopped. The soon as the ministry, that the division was solved with wisdom from the Holy Spirit, the church exploded again. Now, I have to say to you, some of you are new, we're 21 years into this. And of course, people move and go and change churches and whatever, but we've never really had any kind of even a semblance of a church split. Why? That's because of the glory of God. Because we know how to keep the main thing the main thing. But the enemy is always lurking. I've been doing church when I was old enough to understand what's happening more than 50 years and my dad was a pastor. I've seen some of the most horrible things happen in the name of God. You wouldn't even want to think about them tonight. And they came from good people. So when we see the church, God designed the church for one reason. So you would not do life alone. You've heard me say that. That's why you have to get in a community group. You have to come with somebody. So there's accountability. There's all kinds. We were never to do the, the, a life alone. We're, we're a family. And we learn to love God and love those people next to you. And we do that by the teaching of the Word of God. The key word in the church, in the New Testament and today, is this word, together. They studied together, they worshiped together, they served together, they celebrated together, they ate together, they prayed together, and they even suffered together. You see, God designed the church to function in unity. Think about this. We have the same Savior, we have the same God, and we have the same Holy Spirit. How could you get more than one? Ephesians chapter 4 talks about all this unity that we have. But Satan hates unity. God loves to unite. Satan loves to divide. And one key way to divide is hurts. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute at all our campuses for a reason. How many of you know a person that used to attend church on a real regular basis? They had a walk with God, but somehow they got hurt by the church, by a person, by something, maybe justified, unjustified, they got hurt and they no longer go to church. Now, I want you to stop for a moment. The picture I have almost makes me cry. Now, what if every one of those persons would come back and we could get that solved? Pastor Mark focused on marriage, love and hate in today's message. This is possibly the most difficult relationship we're involved in. We learned that on the first day of the honeymoon, God has shown us how to love unconditionally. But we must live the way He has shown us. Pastor Mark told us that in marriage there are three parties. As Christ followers, we must have God as the head of our marriages. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reminds us that we're imperfect people. Every one of us is an imperfect person, but we have a perfect God. When we walk as Christ followers, we walk according to God's example of love. That means we are forgiven, and so we must forgive others. We didn't deserve this forgiveness. We must get back to real walking in the light, loving and forgiving. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world Thank you.